Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Uh, We've been in a series, as you know, our theme word is what? Better. Better. Go ahead and type that in in the chat section, or go ahead and say it if you're at a Sunday Sabbath gathering. Uh, better in 2024. We are making the choice to choose what is better. Mary and Martha has been our theme story. Martha was busy running around with details, but Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And one of the things that the gospel writer Luke says about Mary uh, that Jesus said is that she chose what is better because she was sitting at the feet, listening to, attentive, and learning from Jesus and being with him. And that's what we've been challenging our church to do, to step in individually and, and, and corporately is to live our lives being with Jesus. And it's not just in a prayer closet. It's not just when we are at a prayer gathering or when we're at church, but it can actually be a reality for us to live the way of Mary, being with and being at the feet of Jesus. But today I want to talk to you from the subject title, Better Church. Better Church. You know, really the better theme this year, yes, we want to see you be with Jesus individually in your own life, but also too, we worked hard to create rhythms where us corporately as a church could be with Jesus. And so it's not just us being better individually. It's about us working together to be better corporately. And so I want to talk to you today about better church. So one of the things that I work hard to do as leading LifeHouse is to consistently evaluate, are we going in the right direction? (laughs) Right? Like I feel like one of the things that God has called me to do leading LifeHouse um, is to consistently be evaluating Are we heading in the direction of what Jesus had in mind for church, right? Because it's so easy to get caught in the United States, American way of doing church. And if you can, if, you know, and if you go too far that way, you actually end up that you can have a great American church that actually is not biblical. (laughs) And you can actually be so like the culture that you actually miss what Jesus had in mind. So I find myself many times reflecting, does Lifehouse look like what Jesus had in mind and what the Bible describes as being church? And I just think it's so important for us, not just as a church, but also for you individually and corporately, maritally, relationally, to take times to evaluate, to kind of what they say in the business world is not to work on, or excuse me, not to work in your organization or in your company, but to work on it. Meaning you aren't just in the weeds completing tasks and being busy. You are taking time to step back and evaluate the direction of where you're going and ensuring that the activity you are doing is heading in the direction of what the ultimate vision of the company or the organization is. And I just want to encourage you to maybe do that practice is to say, maybe, is what I'm doing as a person, as a family, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as, as, as a dad, as a family, like, are, are you actually taking time to think about not just what you're doing, but what, how what you're doing is leading you to where you're going, 
right? So you're not just working in, but you're working on. And working on requires us to do a lot of evaluating. And that's one thing that God has called me to do is to not just work in the church, not to just pastor, but to also say, is the activity we're doing as a church leading us to what we sense and feel God leading us to, but also what Jesus had in mind and what the Bible describes as being the church. And I feel like I spent a lot of time, not just working in, but working on and wanting to ensure the activity that we are engaging in and doing as a church has a meaningful purpose. Jesus would ask people to evaluate. Even one of the things Jesus says that, um, that he told his, that he told crowds, he said, before you follow me, this is what he said. It's like, before you make a decision to follow me, you need to evaluate whether you want to do this. You have, you want to evaluate whether you have, and the way Jesus described it says, if you're going to build a tower, he says, do you not first evaluate the cost to see if you have what it takes to build this tower? Jesus is telling them to evaluate. Jesus would ask evaluating questions. He would ask Peter, right? He said, hey, who do you say I am? Right? Because, you know, Peter was saying, well, this is, well, this is who that person says you are. And this is who that person says you are. He says, no, no, no. I want to know what, what do you think? Jesus was asking him to evaluate. And that's what I really have been in the process of doing, preparing for this message is really wanting to say, what part of Lifehouse is American and what is biblical? And really what, what I, and this is what I think every pastor has to do in 2024 is really say, how can we be faithful to where we are, the time we're in, the place that God has put us, but also staying as faithful as possible to what scripture, to what Jesus had in mind for the church. And I just really felt led today to share a message called Better Church. And I wanted to start today by, I guess, resharing something that I've shared in the past, talking about the lower room and the upper room parts of a church. Because we live in a time where people, like, it's like where people go church shopping, right? Not knocking church shopping. Um, I, I think it's, it's important that as you are church shopping, you are not just saying what makes me happy, but you are also inviting the Holy Spirit in saying, Holy Spirit, where do you want me? God, where do, what church do you want me in? And not just evaluating your, your decision on how good's the worship, how good's the preaching, how good like are these things. But God, I want to go to a place where you want me to go because it might not be about my needs being met. It might be about me meeting a need in the church, right? And I, and I just think it's important when we're thinking about better church, we have to start with this thought of lower room, upper room. And I got this book, or excuse me, I got this thought from the book Future Church where it talks about how people emotionally make decisions to join a church. And he said, most people make a decision based on the lower room. And he defined the lower room based on four different P's. Uh, the place, the personality, the programs, and the people. And he says, most people will say they join or they, they go to a church because they like where, where it's at. So for our context, it's in a regal theater, man, church in a movie theater. That's awesome, right? Or the personality, right? They say, man, Pastor John, he stutters, but man, I, I love his preaching. He's got a good personality. I like the personality of the pastor. Or they'll say, man, you know what? It's the programs, right? They got good kids ministry, um, youth ministry. Their small groups are good. Or people say, man, I've got friends to go here, right? It's because of the people that they make a choice, right? And these are not bad, right? The, like we are, we are human beings and we want relationships and we like to be in certain places. We like different personalities. We like different programs. But what the, the guy that wrote this book says is that if we only make decisions based on the lower room of a church, then when any of those things change, 
you will change churches. And unfortunately, you see a lot of people change in churches for a lot of different reasons. Very rarely do they change because of what the guy that writes this book called the upper room of a church, which is the disciple-making vision of a church. And he defines the disciple-making vision as essentially like what the church is hoping to see God do and is, and, and is framed to see God do in your life. The upper room, he defines it as the disciple-making vision, essentially saying, what is the church's heart and plan to help you become more like Jesus? And this is what, as a church, we've, we've been focusing on. We've, we have been saying, and we've said, how can we f- build a church that is better, right? A better church that helps you, that takes the activity that we would normally engage in in a church and helps it to help shape and form you to be more like Jesus. And that's why we have the vision of our church, right? We want to help you live the uncommon life. By following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game and leaving a legacy. We have created that to let you know this is our vision. This is what we see God wanting to do through our church. This is our heart for you. And so I think it's important that as we're talking about what a better church is, we have to first evaluate why we even choose a church. But not just that, I think we have to go back. And sometimes to move forward, you have to go back. Sometimes to move forward, you have to look Look back, and that's what I want to take the rest of our time to, to do today when talking about the better churches. I think we have to go back to Acts. Acts in the Bible is the earliest recorded history of the church, where we see Jesus, he resurrects, he comes back, he meets with some of his followers. He says, don't, don't do anything. Like Acts 1, he says, don't do anything until you are equipped with the Holy Spirit. Right? He says, don't try to build the church when you ain't got the Spirit. So you see, Jesus says, wait until the Spirit comes. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls. And I mean, you know, basically you've got Peter who couldn't stand up to a servant girl, stand up, preach the gospel. 3,000 people get saved, right? And then, so you've got a church of 3,000 people. And I want to read what the Bible says happens next, because I think whenever we read what happens next, this is the church at its earliest, purest form. That when I'm talking about what does a better church look like, we will know what a better church looks like as we look back on what the church was in its earliest form. So I want to read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is what it says. It says, they, the followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As we're looking at what does a better church look like in 2024 in the United States, I believe we get a clear picture of what that looks like as we look back at its earliest form of what the church Begin. So I'm going to share with you some qualities that I see here that I am praying that the Holy Spirit, because really I feel today I'm not just preaching to you. I want to cast vision and remind you of what the church was called to be, not just, you know, not just corporately, but individually, but not just individually, corporately as well. And I hope to inspire you and maybe help you reimagine and re-spark what the church was originally and what the church is called to be right here, right now in 2024. This is better church. Number one, we see from Acts 2, 42 through 47. So the church is devoted. It says they devoted. 
themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were all in. These followers of Jesus did not view following Jesus as something they add to their lives. It became the center of their lives. But I want you to see what they were devoted to. They were devoted to practices and disciplines. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So they were learning and growing in the word. They were fellowshipping with each other. They were breaking the bread. They were, they, they were receiving communion together. And they were prayer. And they were praying. And they were learning how to pray. They were devoted to disciplines and practices that were shaping and forming them to be a certain kind of of person. And this is what at Lifehouse we try to invite you into is to different habits and practices. That's why we've kind of like reframed our church in many ways to get it on a rhythm where we, where we have a night of prayer and worship every fourth Wednesday night. Every Thursday we have a day of prayer and fasting. We have prayer time, 6 a.m., noon, and 8 p.m., right? We have a Sabbath Sunday where we gather together in homes instead of gathering together big at Regal, we're trying to create a rhythm where you can find and have handles to attach to habits and practices so you can form and curate devotion. But here, here's what our heart has always been at our church, is we don't want you to view disciplines as have-tos. Our heart and prayers that you would view them as get-tos. Because why? We don't see disciplines as just a way for us to get God to like us. We see disciplines of doing these things, of praying and gathering and worshiping and fellowshipping and teaching and learning. We view these things as pathways, as doorways to get to know God. We don't view them as ways to get God to like us. These are ways for us to experience the uncommon life, to be in relationship with him. And I think these are all ba- like the way we develop a get to heart instead of having a have to heart is we realize before God asks us to be devoted to him, we realize he has been and will be devoted to us. He is devoted to us. God isn't asking us to do something that he hasn't done himself or he has not himself modeled because Jesus modeled devoted. Jesus modeled what devotion looked like and shows us what the potential of a devoted life looks like. And that's what my heart is for our churches, that we would have people that aren't just devoted to a church, a church name, like Lifehouse. Okay, great. No, but you would, but the root of your devotion would be Jesus because he was devoted to you, right? And that would sprell and, and, and that would spring up inside of you, a heart that says, I want to know him more. This God that loved me, that died for me, rose and defeated Satan's sin and death. This is the God that opens his arms, who has wrote a book for me to get to know his character, that opens up communication lines for me to pray to him, that gives me the opportunity to be a part of his body, the church, and I can join in and play my part, whatever he's called me to do. This is what I get to do, not what I have to do. Why? Because he, I was like, I'm going to be devoted because he's been devoted to me. And I believe the church moving forward, the church that's going to thrive in 2024 is not going to be a casual church. It's going to be a church that is devoted. Number two, the church is supernatural. The church is supernatural. What it says is everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now there's a lot of debate, unfortunately, about whether God still heals, about miracles, supernatural works, miracles. There are some denominations that don't believe in it. There are some that that's all they want to do. It's like, you know, like it's like charismaniac, you know, um, and, and I just want to let you know, Lifehouse believes miracles, signs, and wonders are for today. Absolutely, right? 
but at the same time, we don't seek them. We seek the God that can do them. We don't go to God saying, you have to do this. I demand you. I declare you. It's that and the other thing, right? We, we don't go and tell him what we're going to, like, we go to him and we pray with discernment and we do what he says. We ask and we believe in faith. And why? Because if God created the world, he can do anything. We see Jesus himself going around healing and doing miracles, signs and wonders. He said, even what the, the things you see me do, you can do even greater things, right? So, so we, we see these things happening. We believe in them as a church. And we believe though, that it's not, we don't seek them. We seek the God who can do them. We ask, and then we trust and believe if it's God's will, if it's his plan, He's going to do it. And church, I want to say this stuff is happening in our church. <laughs> like, I, I, I am not kidding. <laughs> like, like we're seeing God heal shoulders, heal necks, heal feet, heal people's knees. Like, I, I can't tell you, even as we have, you know, on Sundays, as I've prayed for, for different things, it's not about me, but as I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me to pray for certain things, I have people coming up all the time saying, hey, when you prayed for that, that was for me. Right, I, we had this this one guy share in guys group the other day. I felt a stirring during communion to pray for someone's, I think it was his right knee. I, I just said, hey, I feel like someone here, God wants to heal your right knee. And he said, you know, his wife kind of said, hey, that's kind of like you. And he said, he's like, yeah, whatever. And, and uh, you know, he kind of said, okay, God, if you, if you want to do it, great. And he said, he got to where, he said his knee had been bothering him for years. He said he didn't think, any, he didn't think anything of it. And then he said he got to work Monday and he was just kind of going throughout his day and he realized the pain in his right knee that he had had for years was, was actually gone. He said he was just kind of like, what, what in the world? And he started moving it and realized he could do things with his knee that he couldn't do for years and started moving it around and started realizing like the pain is gone. <laughs> like my knee's been healed. <laughs> and so what do we do with that? Do, do we go and, 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 and say, Hey, everyone, no, it's like, you know what? God did a specific miracle with, with him and a specific healing with him. We celebrate that. We thank God for, for that. But ultimately what we pray that does is it helps him. It builds his faith, but it also builds your faith to know God is intimate and personal. He wants to heal. He, he wants to do these things, but at the same time, he's sovereign. He knows all the details and sometimes he's going to do it. Sometimes he might not do it, but here's the thing. We don't base our faith in him based on what he does or does not do. We base our faith on who he says he is. And so we celebrate and we keep praying and, and here's what my hope is, is that the supernatural becomes natural at LifeHouse. That the supernatural becomes natural at LifeHouse. Because ultimately what you see in Acts is that signs and wonders, when there were healings and miracles and things going on, that it confirmed the word of God. Because just imagine Paul going to a place, no one knew the name Jesus. People would come to him, he would teach them, he would call out, you know, he would think, and people would come and get prayed for it, and they would get healed. And at that moment, people's attention spans immediately became like, oh, snap, they, my body's healed. I want to hear this message. And that's what we hope to see at our church. We're not going to seek signs and wonders, but we're going to pray that signs and wonders are a way to confirm the word of God, that it is true, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is Lord and he's king, he's sovereign, he died on the cross for our sins, rose and defeated Satan's sin and death, and that as people see the works of Jesus and see the works of God done, that it would build their faith to say, this is real. This is true. And I believe this. So, but we see the early church was supernatural. Our heart and prayer is that at LifeHouse, that the church would do the same. And I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to ask God to heal people. Can I say that one more time? Don't be afraid to pray for people that need prayer. 
And she's like, well, John, I don't know how to pray. I'm not a pastor. I'm not this, that, and the other thing. We see in Acts, God moving through ordinary people. And, and y'all, this is, this can be such a great opportunity. Just a couple times that I've had in the past couple weeks, I was getting a haircut and she started to share something about what was going on in her body. I just, after the haircut, I said, hey, do you mind if I pray for you real quick? And I prayed for her right there. There's, there's other people getting their haircut. And it was kind of awkward and weird. But you know what? It's, I asked God and he told me to do it. And I did it. it just, here's what I'm saying. Be open to God using you. Don't matter how well you pray. Doesn't, you know, it's like we can always look at our weaknesses and limitations instead of God's strengths and his power. And the more you fix your eyes on his strength and his power, the more he will encourage you and equip you to step out and do things you would not be be comfortable with for the purpose of sharing and showing who he is. And one of the ways is through the supernatural works that God wants to do in and through you. So I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to pray. And like I said, my prayer is that the supernatural becomes natural at life. So, okay, number three, I got to hurry. I'm already at 21 minutes here. And I know if you're, especially if you're in the Sabbath Sunday homes and you have kids, those kids are probably jumping. All right, number three, uh, the church is unified. One of the things it says here is that all the believers were together and had everything in common. I love what Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter four. He said this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. And y'all, that's what I want to encourage our church to do. Because y'all, the church has been, had, has had division since the church was created. You see the, the letters that Paul wrote. He's writing to people who are divided over a lot of different things. And what he encourages this church to do, he says, make every effort. Can I just encourage you to make every effort to ensure that if Lifehouse is your church home, we are unified. That there's a spirit of unity. And the way we do this is not is we make sure that we're not gossiping. If we hear something, we bring it up. If you sent something and you don't have a piece about it, our door is wide open. Kristen's door is open. My door is wide open. Our heart is to make sure you have clarity. Our heart is to make sure that there's a spirit of unity within our church. So just let me encourage you. Can, you, can we agree to make every effort <laughs> to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace? Unity does not mean uniformity, right? Unity means we take our differences in a lot of different ways, and we say, God, in, in, in our uniqueness, in our differences, can you put it together and rally us and gather us around the name of Jesus and move in the church and its vision and its purpose forward, y'all? That is what the spirit of unity is. That's what Paul prayed, but it's going to take us all making every effort. And so I want to encourage you. Let's make every effort, Okay. All right, number four, we see here the church is generous. Church is generous. What this says here, it says, they sold property and possessions, right? They, being Jesus followers, sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There was just a spirit of uncommon generosity among God's people that said, I want to make sure you have your needs, maybe not your wants, but your needs taken care of. Can I just say giving is a muscle that needs to be grown? Giving is a muscle that is grown by actually working it out. And the way that I encourage people individually to grow in their generosity, in their giving, is to realize it's going to take discipline and it's going to take you being spirit-led. No virtue, whether it is love or joy or peace or faith, whatever, and nothing grows unless it is cultivated, unless it is built, unless it is worked. And so there's, there, there is this part of growing in your generosity that is going to require you to have 
a discipline. Meaning, the more you do it, the more it gets easier, the better you get at it. But it's also going to take you, as you develop the discipline, you have an ear and a heart to say, Holy Spirit, I will do as you are asking me to do, as I'm also building the discipline as well. Because many people say, I give and I'm generous whenever I feel led. That's awesome. I love that. But here's the thing. You don't, you, you don't grow in love if you say, I love when I feel led. Or, you know what? I'm kind when I feel led. I've got joy when I feel led, right? Like, you know, I, I have peace when I feel led. <laughs> it's like there's nothing else in the Christian life we say when I feel led. Generosity is the same way. And that's why I want to encourage you. Discipline means you have a daily habit of giving. But also, too, that also means that as you are practicing in growing, practicing in doing a daily discipline of giving, you're also saying, Holy Spirit, is there somebody you want me to bless? Right? Asking the Spirit of God, who are you calling me to be generous to? I think many of us don't want to hear God say that, right? Like, we want God to comfort us. We want God uh, to guide us. And we want God to direct us and lead our path. But how many of you want God to tell you to be generous to somebody? Let me tell you, it's a, it's a total package deal. You can't want the comfort of the Holy Spirit without also hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit to all, that might encourage you to be generous to somebody, right? And so as, as, as we are growing individually and corporately as a church in our generosity, this will happen as we all decide to say, hey, I want to take a portion of what I have every single week. I want to invest it in the mission and vision of the church while also saying if there are people around me that, have, that need their needs met. God, my bank account is your bank account. I want to be a steward. What I have is not mine. It's yours. I want to live with open hands. If you want to give it to me, you probably want to give it through me. So it's saying I want to be disciplined in being a continual giver, but also saying, Holy Spirit, if you ask me to do it, I'll do it. (laughs) Discipline and spirit-led. It's two ways to cultivate generosity. And if we do that individually and corporately, but that's what I love uh, about our church. The Lord is growing our church in generosity. Last year, we had the most amount of money given ever, right? We still continually give away 10% of what God gives us outside of our church while also helping to fulfill um, the ministry demands that we have here to see the vision move forward, right? God is growing our church. I'm thankful for that, but I want to invite those of you maybe who are not being generous. Can I invite you step into generosity, grow that muscle, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I'm telling you, you are never more like God that when you give. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So you want to become more like God, man. Start to work that generosity muscle. It's what we see as the marks of the church in Acts. All right, number five. I got two more left. Everyone say two. Okay, number five, the church gathers. It says here, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Y'all, one of the major marks of a church is they gather. Even the Greek word ecclesia means assembly. It means gathering. The church gathers. It's what they do. It's, been what, they, it's what they've been doing for 2,000 years. But what you see here is there were multiple ways they gathered, right? You see, um, it, it said that uh, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That was more of the larger gatherings. But then it said they broke bread in homes and ate together. And that's what we're putting into practice with Sabbath, with Sabbath Sundays. The purpose in, in that is saying we want to meet in the temple courts. We want to meet in the large gatherings, but we want to provide the opportunity for you as well to meet in homes and build relationship, fellowship together, eat together, discuss together, 
and have moments of not just being in rows, but being in circles, in couches, and things like that. And, and y'all, this is the, what the church has done for thousands of years. And it's so funny in this day and age, people are like, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I love what Tony Evans says. He says, um, yes, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and you're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. <laughs> right? And I just want to encourage those of you who don't prioritize the gathering of the church. Can I just encourage you? Gathering together is one of the ways you realize you're not alone, you have a family. Gathering is reminding us and preparing us for heaven. <laughs> that we are going to be gathering together with a bunch of people that are different than you, that have different backgrounds, different upbringings, yet at the same time we come together under one name, the name of Jesus. Gathering together is the way that we fix our eyes on heaven through praise and worship. We open our ears and hearts to receive God's word, and we are reminded of what Jesus did for us. I don't know about you, but every Sunday we gather, it kind of is a chiropractic adjustment aligning me to say, John, God's great, he's powerful, his word is true, Jesus is here, he's with you, he's coming back, and it's a reminder to say, hey, you're not alone. It's a reminder, say this is what heaven's going to be like, and it's a place for us to come together and hear God's word and worship. So can I encourage you to, to prioritize, like the church did in the day, back in the day, to prioritize gathering. All right, we got the church. The church is devoted. The church is supernatural. The church is unified. The church is generous. The church gathers. And lastly today, the church grows. The church grows. The last part of the verse here says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love how one of the marks that we see in the church at its earliest forms is that it grew. So I'll let you know God's heart is to grow his family. Is that your heart? It's wild how we can let preferences dictate what we want the church to be. Like, we'll say, I don't like this church, it's gotten too big. I get it. (laughs) But it's like, (laughs) if the church is growing, it's not always because the church is being slick. It's because God might be adding to the number those who are being Saved. So why are why can we get upset and when churches are growing because it might be making us a little uncomfortable? Maybe we don't have the seat we would always normally sit in. Maybe we don't have the room around us we would normally have. Y'all, can I just encourage you? The church is called to grow. God wants the church to grow. And our heart at Lifehouse is that the church would grow. And by his grace, we have seen it multiply. We have seen it grow. We have seen people added daily. I think in the months of January and February, we've seen, I think, 15 people like actually get salvation bags and let us know that they started to follow Jesus in our Sunday gatherings. That's not even including those who said yes and maybe did not even let us know that they did that. But y'all, we are thankful for the way that God is growing his family at Lifehouse, and that is his heart. And my prayer is that that would be your heart. I know we have preferences. I know we like larger churches, smaller churches, whatever, but If God's called you here at Lifehouse, our heart is that it would grow. And the thing is that God wants to actually use you to play a part in that. When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? I want to remind you, Easter's coming. There's not a more perfect time than to invite your family and friends and coworkers than Easter Sunday. Can I encourage you? Start to pray about who the Lord would have you invite and bring on Easter Sunday. 1 Peter 3 encourages us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks 
you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. What Peter is saying here is always be prepared to answer someone that asks you, why are you different? Why do you have so much peace? Why do you have so much joy? It says when you do that, you share with them the hope you have in Christ, but you do it with gentleness and respect. And I believe that as we all corporately do that, individually and corporately, as the church gathers, but then it scatters into the various places and around us that, that we actually go and be a representation of Jesus. That's how the church grows. That's how the church grew in Acts. The church was gathered, but then it would scatter and it would go and, and be the hands, feet, and representation of Jesus. And that is what we pray that God does, is that as we all go and scatter, that through that scattering, as we come back together, that there would be more. That there would be more. Not just so we can have a big church, so but God can grow his family. So, and I just want to encourage you, God can use you to do that. Do y'all see what the church's potential is and what it's called to be? Y'all, the church is God's plan A. He has no plan B. He believes in the church. Jesus said he will build this church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. And you are a part of it. Lifehouse, I want to encourage you as we're looking forward to what better church could be in 2024. Let us, in, let us take the step to look back. And what we see is the church in its earliest form, it was devoted. It was supernatural. It was unified. It was generous. It gathered and it grew. And my prayer for us as a church at LifeHouse is that we would see these things be true of LifeHouse Church in 2024. I'm going to pray real quick. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the recorded history of the very early church. Lord, that we can see that the church was devoted. It was supernatural. It was unified. It was generous. It was gathering. It grew. Lord, I, I pray that those things would be true of your church right here, right now, of LifeHouse Church. God, that in a world that wants to be casual, we would be devoted. In a church that is craving the supernatural, they would experience it here. In a world that is divided, they would experience unity of the spirit. In a world that is so greedy, God, they would experience generosity. In a world that casually attends church, we would prioritize the gathering. And within a culture that wants to play to preferences of what a church size should be, may we have a heart to always grow the family of God. Holy Spirit, would you work a miracle in our church that this would be what we'd focus on? And God, would you help our church to be better in 2024? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.